You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 88 of the MXU podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with my co-hosts and co-everything lately, Lee Fields and Dadu Worldwide himself, Jay Desai. Boys, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited you said co-everything. It feels warm and fuzzy. Well, we've run out of co-words, but um, we figured we just, since we just got back from the tour, we just kind of keep the band together and make this thing permanent. So we're co-everything now. I um I crashed back down to earth this morning. <laughs> you yeah. know, here's what I've done today. Okay. Um, before 8 a.m., I sent some money to the IRS. I paid for new tags for my truck. I refilled some landscape uh, clippings, and I scooped up four weeks' worth of dog crap in the mulch in my backyard. <laughs> and then I took two middle school boys to school, got stuck behind a train, and went to my local coffee shop and had a breakfast sandwich. Well, for anybody who's ever been on a tour, that sounds like day one of re-entry for just about every tour I've ever been on. So yeah. good for you. And last night, the day I got home, I had all my laundry done, dried, and hung back up and put in its right place. That's Ready the first time call. I've ever done that on day one of re-entry from any trip, one day or 28. That's awesome. Well, you got to keep those new, nice new Filson threads, you know, yeah. intact. <laughs> um, well, you, do, seen, you do have had, a dog, right? I do. Okay. I didn't know if it was random dog crap in your mulch. No, it was my dog. No, I did all my laundry and put everything away because I hadn't seen my wife in a month so i had to make sure i've seen my wife in a month if you know what i'm saying <laughs> Heard you. well for those of you who have been waiting for a podcast from the last couple of tour stops we have to admit that we uh were really busy the last few days of the tour and we're not able to post anything from our penultimate or our ultimate tour stops and so we're going to spend today kind of recapping the whole tour, catching up on those two stops, and just celebrating, really, um, the success of the MXU Live Tour. I don't know about you guys, but my expectations were exceeded at every turn. Yeah, you could say that. I, It's just now starting to hit me. Jeff, I saw your post on Instagram. I saw Rusty's yesterday, kind of like a you know, a, a personal recap. And now it's starting to sink in. It's like, it's hard. The- you know, I, I was struggling with that so much because yeah. it is impossible to encapsulate every moment or every person or everybody's hard work in such a short sort of snapshot of time. Mm-hmm. So I, anybody that I missed or anything that we missed, I apologize, but I was trying to just sort of, I don't know, just put it out there of, man, how much of a team effort this was and how much we are so grateful for everybody who was involved. I just, the, especially visually, I think what, what DC Pro and Daniel and Rusty and Jeremy brought to the table for an audio conference, I just, there's no way that us as audio dudes could have ever done what these guys made look so easy. It was awesome. Yeah, there were champs. For sure, champs. Actually, um, I removed Jeremy from the group text today. You did. <laughs> yeah, I put him back. <laughs> okay. Good. 
Saga be an ongoing struggle. That's right. That's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. And honestly, you know, I'm not saying this just because you're here, but Jay, I I can't thank you enough. You as the host, MC, Master of Ceremonies, you were so in your wheelhouse. Like uh, we we need to keep you co everything in what we do because I don't want somebody else to steal you away to make you their host because right. we we need you. It's because awesome. I'm not I'm not just gonna whore myself out like that. Yes, you would. Yeah, yeah hey, you would. Hey, daddy's got bills to pay, you know? Daddy's got all these bills to pay. I don't know if there's anyway, I can't say that on the air. Um, I loved it. I actually didn't know that I mean I I told y'all um in Anaheim, I never hosted an event. Anaheim was my first one. And I didn't know I liked it. I kinda like it. You could be well, a stand up well. comedian if you wanted. I just don't think I could do it on cue, which I guess I do on hosting. Well, it's not that it's on cue. I mean, those guys write. Yeah, that's true. They really do. That's what. That's the part. That's the problem. Is you don't know how to write. <laughs> right. If you could write it for me, if I could just say it and you could write it, I need a scribe. That's funny. Anyways, thank y'all. I honestly, absolutely have loved. Um, somebody was asking me yesterday, like, "Oh, is the MXU over now?" I was like, "No." Honestly, I feel like I'm in a good way carrying more. Than before when we left for tour because my brain's yeah. already like on what's next you know which i know y'all are wired that way too so yes tour is over exclamation point still got a few things to button up but my brain's already in what's next mode so i don't feel like i come in and out of the mxu thing i feel like it i'm always doing something mxu you know right which i love well before we hit record we just planned a planning meeting that's so true. No, November 1st, y'all are coming out here, and we're going to spend a day talking about next year and what we're going to do. Are you going to cook so, us some pheasant or something? Are you going to kill something good for us? Um, Yeah, duck season open Saturday, and your boy's got his own rice blind, so we'll see what happens. Duck tacos for lunch. Yeah. Um. So I had some takeaways from the tour, just per, so they're personal. Yeah. But leading up to the tour starting let's go back six months like when you plan to go on tour and the crew is in charge right so mm-hmm. in a lot of ways we were all i'll speak for you guys too we're going to do this the way we want to do not in spite of working for artists or bands but there's certain right. things that if you could do your own way you would do right in any area yeah totally and so we took that approach with this you know we we put a lot of money, I was going to say resources, no, just cold hard cash into making <laughs> sure we had a good time. We had this killer tailgate experience. We had a Traeger. We had tents. We had, we played golf on off days. We took the crew to nice restaurants. You know, not that bands don't do that for the crew. They, they certainly do. But we went a bit over the top with it in comparison to the scale of what we're doing, you know? Yeah, so totally. We go do a tour, and the entire tour is two thousand people. Where, you know, a band does two thousand people in the in the section to their right of one night. So it's a different thing, right? So we plan all of that, and then we're like, everything's going to go smooth. We're going to do things early. The advances are going to be smooth, and then getting this freaking bus on the uh, road, and which we couldn't say anything while it was happening because just the nature of what, of well, what happens. And, and like, uh, I was like a, a tea kettle, 
you know, I was about yes. to start whistling. So yeah, <laughs> it's just better it to was, keep me under wraps. It, J- Jay and I were trying to manage getting a bus out the door, and and it was the most stressful thing I think I've ever experienced in my life. I was, I, th- I think it was. You were trying to wrap up all your stuff. I was trying to wrap up a gig. We were literally having twenty second drive by conversations. Yes, and it was. Well, well, and it was five, it was really five weeks ago today that, or yesterday, it was Monday before we were supposed to leave. The bus and truck were supposed to leave on Thursday, Thursday or Friday, but there was a little bit of flex, but it had to be gone by Friday in order to make it to California from Nashville. Which we had no issues literally, with our truck. Our truck was awesome. No, truck was, truck was beautiful. IPS but and on, truck company were great. Uh, yeah. Uh, on Monday of that week, so three days before it's supposed to leave. We're made aware that the bus will be ready, but we're unable to locate a driver. That was the quote that I have ringing in my head. And so it was like, that was step probably seven of a million of what was starting to unravel. And it was literally like, how's this possible? We're supposed to leave in three days. Well, even before that, the bus, we found out, it has a slide out. So the front lounge extends, like when you're parked, the whole thing. The whole living room in the front moves like four feet. Well, we found out it was being repaired. And it was like a week late getting out of the the manufacturer shop, getting repaired. We pulled it out early because it had to go get wrapped. So the wrap company has to wrap the bus in a certain time. And the wrap company, by the way, one of the best customer service experiences Jay and I have ever had. Incredible. Wrap artists. Uh, the, I mean, just incredible. Jamie, at wrap, if you need anything, they wrap cars. I'm thinking about going to get my Jeep wrapped just because yeah. I like Jamie so much. <laughs> yeah. So Jamie moves his schedule around. He's like, I'll have that thing done in eight hours whenever it gets here and it'll be done. And he, it's raining outside. So he's like, we'll hand dry it with the towel. Make sure you guys are taking. I mean, the guy's incredible. So we're juggling the wrap schedule with getting the bus done. And then like Jeff said, Monday that week, there's no driver. And I know what you're all thinking. Y'all been planning this for six months. How did you have all these problems? Well, there's a national shortage of buses and drivers right now. So all the entertainment drivers, when COVID hit, they left their jobs being entertainment drivers and went and drove commercial for Home Depot delivery trucks, or you name it. Everybody went and got new jobs because yeah, construction crews right, or they had to heavy heavy equipment. There's yeah. a part shortage, so a part that you could normally get overnight at is taking three weeks. Yep. So we had a bus reserved back in February, and because of bus shortages, we lost that bus, and that's a whole thing in and of itself. We find another bus, and it's a 12 year old bus, but it's the only one left, and. Hey, it's got some repairs that needed to be done. They put a new transmission in it. It needed a slide. And then Monday of that week, there's no driver. So I made a call to my friend who didn't get the shout out on the Instagram post because his Instagram is basically non-existent. But our good buddy, David Bell, from way back in the day, I called him because he has an event company in Atlanta, Orchestrate that is awesome and they do a ton of big events. And so I, I knew his history with the entertainment industry, touring and buses and all that. So I called him and I said, hey, do you know of anybody who might be able to help us out? And he said, well, honestly, I might be able to do it. 
And that was the biggest, like, bailout God moment of the tour so far at that point was, oh my gosh, not only do we have a driver, but we have a great driver who actually knows how to take care of us. And he used to own his own bus. I mean, he was, I think, I think he's got the bug. I think he's getting a bus sometime soon. Yeah. And we, and we ended up having a wonderful second driver, Mr. Bill. Yeah. yeah Mr. Bill was awesome. Mr. Too. Bill was awesome, but it gets worse because then David's license wasn't didn't work with the trailer we were going to have so now we had a trailer problem and we needed to sort that out which is getting without getting into all the details of weight class and blah 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 so the fact that our bus made it to los angeles to start the tour in the first place was a miracle yeah and to get there in time we had to have two drivers they drove nonstop from nashville to los angeles well, and then the Mr. Bill's flights were getting canceled, and so we were playing yep. leapfrog on flights. I was booking flights in real time to the next uh, available city before David's time would time out. It was quite a right. I'll meet you. I'll meet you in Little Rock. Nope, Oklahoma. Nope, Arizona. Nope. <laughs> it just kept moving west. <laughs> just uh, it was. It was quite. Uh, I think I should go work in um, special team support in the military. I feel like I could get the seals where they need to go. That's funny. But we made it. All that to say, I came to the back of the bus at one point, and sweet David Bell had put on a new belt because we were chewing through belts like it was our job. And he was holding the belt on by a screwdriver and a pen so it wouldn't come off the track until there was enough air pressure to have enough tension on the belt to stop it from wobbling. And our bus never broke down. It literally is a miracle. Yeah. It is a miracle. Considering the, um, I don't want to say, I'm, I'm trying to think of the right words to describe the bus that are PG-13 appropriate. <laughs> Let's just say that, um, you know, jalopy might be a word that we could use. Um, you know, uh, wrote, wrote hard and put up wet. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the... I mean, it had a million miles on it. So it was yeah. actually in some ways better than you would expect a bus with a million miles. And in some ways there were issues with that bus that should not have been issues because they're fixable even on a bus with a million miles. So when I asked someone to go get a roll of gaff, because we were going to need some assistance on the bus to hold some things in place, they had to go get an orange roll of gaff. And there was just, by the end of the tour, there was orange gaff from the front of the bus to the back of the bus holding things in place. It was quite common. Holding, holding drawers closed, holding doors closed, holding things together. At first. Holding things thought, on the walls. I thought the rap was absurd at first, Lee, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. But then by the end of it, everyone was, oh my gosh, y'all's bus is so nice. I was like, cool, don't open the door. Yeah. Just don't <laughs> open the door. It might, I don't know if it opens, actually. But don't look inside. That's funny. You can polish a turd, basically. That's what we did. So you can wrap. So that it. was one takeaway. What are your other takeaways, Lee? Okay, so that like more stressful than any church production at Christmas I've ever done ever. And we get onto the road, and the events are going awesome. Um, but then I, I don't know what it was. Like we get all the way to Nashville at the very last one, and. I finished mixing in the afternoon and I just lost it. I got to start crying. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was, it was multiple reasons. I think just the emotion of getting a big 
production like this out the door takes a toll and then you don't really have a release. So you're working, working, working for a month, being away from family that that has a little to do with the, the internal temperature. And then the nature of what we were doing, we're mixing every day, right? So we, we did eight different cities where I'm on a console mixing and we're each one of us are trying to get better at what we do. Right. And now looking back on it, I've never worked so hard at trying to mix every single time, just giving it everything I had. And even on days off, just thinking about it and processing and like, okay, what am I going to do different? I need to change this. I need to take this approach that someone recommended, apply that. And then you get into the event and, you know, there were two, two different times that you mix. One was you get about 45 minutes, you play something that needs some work that we're identifying this as, Hey, I got something we can work on. Yeah. But then in the afternoon, there's like a 15 minute section where I'm applying everything I've learned and trying to present something great. So when it got to the last one, it's like, okay, this is it. This is city number eight. I'm going to hit play and this is going to be it. And that's yeah. the way I felt. And then I felt like it was really good and I was really happy about it. And freaking Raybold had to ask. I, so I finished and he goes, how'd that feel? And it, it got me. <laughs> and I was like, floodgates it, open. It's like, it felt right. <laughs> and then, and then he's asked another question and he goes, and how does that feel? And then I just came unglued. And then you looked over at me and I about lost it because yeah. it's like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Floodgates, tear fest. You know, you like, you wait a minute to try and gather yourself. You're, you know, Nashville, there's 150 people in that tiny little box. And then I'm like, okay, I can talk now. And then I go to talk again and I can't talk, <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> coupled with that, that song I was using had become like the anthem for the tour of the Thrive Worship song, yeah. Pour Your Spirit Out. So we saw people's lives get changed in our two-day events, which we should talk about next. And then... Yeah. I love those guys and they're my my team that I'd spent 11 years with and then not being on staff full time there anymore is I've said it a few times it's it's so bittersweet it's it's bitter because I didn't want to leave there but the sweet part is you know this calling put on us to do this full time so it's like you you leave one great thing to go to the next that's always tough so it was all of that put together piled up and being the last city and being in Tennessee and just all the things, it was like, I am just roasted, guys. Yeah. And yeah. it came out. So that was my, that's my recap. Well, I wanted to make fun amazing. of you when you teared up, but I you couldn't. Did? I, yeah, just because, you know, that's my <laughs> MO uh, in those things. But I couldn't because I, I like felt how sincere it was. Yeah. I was like, God, do not be that guy. <laughs> yeah. I, um. I, f I felt you. I was able to handle my emotions like a grown up and wait till I got in the car and drove home. But I listened to the top <laughs> top nineties country songs on my way home, a hundred of them. Yeah. And somewhere between Whose Bed Have Your Boots Been Under and It's Your Love by Tim and Faith, I just started weeping. It just really? came it just came out. I I think it was gratitude for me. At I mean well, I'm not saying it wasn't for you. I think several of those songs I didn't realize became internal anthems like you're saying especially that mm. thrive worship song something about it felt so right uh and then i think i was just so grateful for the enhancement of the relationships um yeah. and yeah. new relationships i just was like man 
No one really bit anyone's head off. I mean, I probably did a few times, but no one really did. No. Everyone was so excited to get it going. Everyone wanted to serve uh, each other in this unique wake from the vendors to the crew. And we honestly had a great time, even in some yeah. not fun moments, which is natural. But I was just so grateful, um, especially hearing and reading people's Instagram posts and stuff. Even the guy who won the bag in Estonia, his level of excitement, he doesn't even know what's in the bag. I could have just filled it with random things, which I did. I know. But he was just so excited. I was like, man, if we could just make everyone stay a tad brighter and maybe teach them how to uh, fix that Tom along the way, then I feel like we're doing we, it. We were doing... I just got home yesterday, so I stayed in Tennessee through the weekend. Went to a UT game on Saturday. With Wait, my did family. y'all win? Um, I didn't hear you. Um, <laughs> went to the UT game with family, and then Sunday we had some MXU business stuff to do in Knoxville, which we'll start telling people more about soon. But I'm standing at the tailgate on campus talking to Steve, my stepdad, about the whole tour. He was like, "How was it?" And he was like, "What was your favorite part?" And it's like what you're saying, Jay. I got so touched at the after parties, meeting people mm. from very small churches. That was my favorite people to be around because when you hear a story of the impact that we and our community are having on very small churches with limited resources, that's the most important thing to me. Because, yeah. you know, we're friends with the biggest of the biggest churches in the world. Like they all came, the life churches, the Highlands, they're all part of what we do. And, and I think they get stuff out of what we do. And we certainly get stuff out of being around them, but I am more impacted meeting this church from Southern Alabama that drove 10 hours to Atlanta to be with us and meeting this team of volunteers and the staff person they have and hearing like what they do for a living outside of church and then they ask you questions like, hey, what would you do in this scenario? And you, ju- and you just see like it's everything to them and it's made impact on their church. And like there's stories of that all over the U.S. But, and all over the world. It's like, what the heck, Jeff? Like we didn't, I know. we didn't think that that would happen when we started this. You know, we knew that it could help people, but like meeting those people and shaking their hands, it's like, well, and yeah, it's bringing, bringing the bringing the bottom up, you know. Yeah, like we're, I mean, you like Life Church and Highlands and all these big churches that attended. Uh, I love their posture, like Sam especially and Luke and uh, over Highlands. Like I love their posture because it's not like just come to learn, but they want to come serve too. You know, they do. Sam was like, "Send anyone with a broadcast question my way. I'll be happy to help them." You know, I love yeah. that about the, the big churches that want to come and be a part of the community. As to learn, but as much to be a resource. Amazing. Keep that up. Thank you a million times over. But these churches, I don't know how they fit this into their budget, you know? Right. And a lot of these guys paid out of their pocket and trying to bring that gap up is, I think, stumbled upon. You guys have stumbled upon something in the early days, which is allowing all of us to be a part now to really just change the game. Well, I I couldn't agree more. And I think... You know, the I use the words grateful and overwhelmed too often in describing the last few weeks. You know, anytime I would 
check in at home and my wife and I would talk about stuff. You know, she was she was kind of leading the charge with the wives and families and support that were home in giving everybody stuff to pray for every day. So she would send out kind of a a daily update and prayer requests before each city. And so I would try to fill her in and update her. And it was just so hard to put into words exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I I feel like, Lee, every day we walked into the room and saw the LED wall and saw the lights and saw all the consoles teched out the way they were and the cameras and all of the support that we had. I just, I kept saying to myself, how did we get here? I mean, when you and Andrew and I set out to do this, when we did our very first event, it was, we're going to have a conversation and hopefully a few people will want to listen in. And now that's turned into like what you're saying, these guys coming from all over, big churches, small churches, lots of resources, no resources. Some people in the room who really have literally no idea what we're talking about when we talk, when we go down a rabbit hole about right. some concept and they're all in taking notes, asking questions, trying to get better. And I'm just, I'm continually blown away that they would agree to continue to partner with us in that and just go on this journey with us. And I'm just so excited about what happened, but also excited about what's to come because I know as we continue to pour gas on this, it's only going to result in more and more and more reach and influence and this whole community continuing to get better. Jay, what was, I want to give the one guy a shout out and I'm so sorry. I forgot his name. I think you're going to remember he lives in Ohio and he drove to Chicago. He's an Amazon driver daily and he listens to our podcast on repeat for driving. Absolutely. I mean, I spent half the night at the um, after party with him after Chicago. I mean, he, his sweetest spirit about him. So excited. But he told me he's an Amazon driver and uh, serves at his church. And we talked through some of the issues at the church. But my f- favorite part was like he keeps listening to podcasts on repeat. Yeah. I was like, bro, I could give you a list of other podcasts that are amazing. Yeah. But he just <laughs> kept saying he felt like we understood him. And I've heard that from several people. And he drug a friend with him. He paid for a friend to come with him uh, who has been shadowing him and hasn't really even got into the tech stuff. But I thought it was so great. Uh, his heart just for uh, I, Lee. First off, I thought it was super great when I told you that he had driven from Ohio, paid for it out of his pocket. You're like, well, let's get him some gas money to get home. But he was so uh, excited to be there and had come to the after party and come to the thing and just felt like he was part of a community. He was so, uh, this is going to sound weird, but it was so cute how excited he was. Yeah. Like, uh, and how, like, I just, I loved everything about it. I could have spent all night hanging out with him. It was great. That's that was cool. awesome. So, my friend, I know you're out there and listening. Massive shout out to the world's best Amazon driver. For sure. Absolutely. I wish I lived in your Amazon district because I know you would not throw my package. <laughs> He'd be at my house six to seven times a day because my wife can't stop buying stuff. So, <laughs> that's funny. I think she, I don't think you want to go down that road. I think she would say you, You've got your own vices. That's true. <laughs> yeah, let's put her on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. A couple of things stood out to me um, beyond what we've talked about so far. I think 
you know, Lee, I'm, when you talked about your last day and the Nashville mix, it was like, I loved seeing all the fruit of your digging deep all tour come out like in that one moment, because I feel like you were really challenged in a lot of ways to kind of swing for the fences in a different way. I mean, Raybold talked a lot about how when he's mixing and you could, you could hear it and feel it in yep. his mix where he's just like on the edge, on the precipice of a cliff. And it's like, man, one step too far and it falls apart. But man, right there at the edge, it's like, it's just rocking. Yep. And so we were all challenged to try to, in his words, try not to hit singles, but try to hit a home run. Yeah. And that, that was a, a really great word from him. I just loved watching him do that every day and, you know, challenge us. Um, and I loved also how I felt like our relationship with him was way more than just, Hey, let's bring in a hot shot mixer and see what he can do. You know, but we actually became really good friends over the course of this time. For and sure. I just, you know, the relational side of that has just been incredible. But for me, you know, I think we were, we were all surprised at how the day two events went. Yep. And when we integrated lighting and video into the conversation and had a band on stage and actually, you know, we thought, okay, we're going to, we're going to get the band together and we're going to program a service and do the three songs and debrief. And none of us realized that quote, performing those three songs would be as impactful as it was. I, I still can't get over what happened in LA, Dallas, and Chicago on day two. I, I mean, keep talking about it because I think this is the most impactful thing, the most challenging thing, and I think it has changed what we do and the mission of what we do. But we didn't know that that was going to happen, but it has. We didn't know that was going to happen. So for those of you guys who haven't really been in on this conversation the whole time, you know, from a, from a programming perspective, we thought, okay, we're going to start the day with a production meeting. We're going to plan an event or plan a service. So we'll have everybody who's a meaningful part of that on stage. So we had the worship leader and the lighting designer and the video director and audio team and, you know, everybody who was involved in the elements talking about, Hey, here's our set list. These are the three songs. Here's the look we're going for. Here's the story we want to try to tell. And everybody would ask each other questions. And then we kind of break and move on to Daniel Cannell, who's charged with programming lighting. So he's playing back the actual recording of the song and programming cues for the worship set. And then we move on to video and Rusty talks about the gear and talks about his vision for how to frame shots and how the thing is going to flow and what we're going for. And then pulls out four volunteers from the audience, some of whom who've never touched a camera before and trains them on how to be a camera op and then talks them through, you know, how to practice and how their camera actually works and just basic camera training. And he's such a great teacher. It went awesome. And then after lunch, we came back and talked about audio. So we did a sound check with the band in real time to get their ears right. So we would solo their monitor mixes through the PA and talk about different priorities for different mixes and how that's important and the role of a monitor engineer. And then we turned the reins over to Chris, who did a 
front of house sound check with the band. So at the end of all that, we're like, okay, we've got all the pieces ready to go. So we take a break, dismiss everybody to the lobby. And when they come back in the room after the break, we have our walk-in look set and pre-show music. And our idea was, okay, let's run the set as planned. And then we'll gather everybody on stage again and debrief. And the way Lee and I described it kind of offline was it was as if God heard us say, okay, so then we'll run the worship set and we'll debrief. And he's like, um, that might seem like a good idea to you, but just watch what I'm going to do. And it was so compelling to see a worship team on stage who was able to challenge the attendees by going, hey, you've seen everything behind the curtain today. You've seen the planning. You've seen all the cues. So there's no secrets anymore. Nobody's standing over your shoulder waiting to see if you miss a cue. Nobody is watching you sort of hands-on faders, twisting knobs, and pushing buttons. You need to just let go and participate in this moment. And the way people took to that and, and kind of took on that challenge, it was like by the halfway through this first song, people were engaged in worship. And it wasn't just sing the songs and talk about it. It was, whoa, this is a palpable moment. And it was, it was amazing. So, you know, the way Corbin and Melinda and Taylor led was incredible. But at the end of the third event, the end of Chicago, we get to the end of the third song and Corbin says, hey, I, this was not planned. I don't know what this is supposed to be, but I just feel like some people today need to take a significant step toward Jesus. And he gives an altar call, gives an invitation at the end of the worship set, and over 10 hands went up in the air. To accept Christ. To, to receive Christ for the first time. And I'm like, what in the world did God do with this moment? And so I'm the one who's tasked with transitioning us out of that moment. So I go up on stage and I'm just, I'm a blubbering idiot. I'm just with an underscore. Yeah. Yeah. The keys are still playing. Right. Right. So I'm, I'm there trying to talk over the, you know, the keyboard player transitioning this moment. And I, what got to me was, you know, first of all, I'm stunned by the need for what we were able to facilitate because people who have not missed a Sunday in a long time feel like they went to church for the first time in a long time. And then second, that our meager effort to help people get better in technology would result in production leaders and volunteers changing their eternity through what we're trying to accomplish. I was just, I was blown away. And so, I mean, for everybody that helped facilitate that, I just, I'm so grateful because it's, it, it, I feel like it was a, it was a, it was a flag in the ground. It was a marker. It was a, a milestone to go, okay, in some way we need to rethink what we're doing so that this is part of everything we do. Because, you know, in the back of our minds, we know that it is like, it's always been a core piece of what we're about because we are really, you know, our mission is to help the church get better through technology. Um, But man, the fact that 
lives could be impacted, not just jobs could be impacted or skill could be impacted, but that families and relationships and people's literal eternity could be impacted is is just stunning to me. So I guess we should probably quit and never do anything like that again, is what you're saying. Or we should only do that. Yeah. <laughs> we should press in. So one of the things one of the things we're talking about is to press in on that. Not not that we have revival every every time we do an event, but that the all-inclusive team aspect is really what we focus on. So, oh, I thought you meant we were releasing an MXU worship album. <laughs> no, we're not. Gonna, we're not doing that. No, um, but just the idea that the team's day will be our core focus for our live events. Yeah, because of how powerful it was to see everybody come together. Yeah, but the great. audio day is not going away. So no. So let's talk about our plans for a few minutes. We're officially moving the MXU headquarters to Tennessee in 2022. So our entire team, minus Jeff and I, are relocating to Knoxville, Tennessee in 2022. And we have big plans for a space that people can come and experience in different ways. So I'm not moving yet. My family's staying here for the time being. Jeff's going to stay in Greenville. But our team and headquarters are going to be located in Tennessee as of next year. Yeah. So that I think we can say officially that's happening. Um, what that space is going to be and entail and the future and team members and all that, we'll leave, we'll leave for a later date. But it's pretty freaking exciting. Yeah. And to be able to have a dedicated space where we could host an event or do a training or have a manufacturer come and host a training. All of those things are the kinds of things that we're thinking about. And so, you know, our partners are going to continue to be heavily involved in what we do. And I think it gives us the opportunity to be broadly focused when we need to be and hyper-specific when we need to be too. Yep. So imagine a team coming to MXU headquarters to get a specific training for their team on anything from cameras to lighting programming to audio to leadership to anything in between. I'm, I'm super excited about what that could look like. Yeah, so that's in store. And then our team of developers has grown again. And we added a team member this week. His name's Mike, which you guys will hear more about him. But he's taken teams and now and everything that happens online to a whole nother level. So more stuff, great stuff coming from that too. Yeah. You think I should get some more Hawaiian shirts? I think so. Cause we're going to be back on the road next year too. Road dog. Yeah. yeah I'm working on my ponytail. <laughs> um, I gotta, I'm trying to, trying to balance it out for the year. I'm going to, um, I've got a couple more of these corporate fundraiser things. I'm going to have to do a site visit in Europe. Um, for a couple of days, and then I am gonna spend Thanksgiving in the Dominican Republic with my friends, which we do every year. Nice. Um, it's it's this will be our millionth time, and then I would love to go see my family. Uh, my mom, dad, and sister are here in Atlanta, but my cousins, we all grew up in London, and so bulk of them are still there. So I would like to go there for Christmas. And it looks like the world is going to let me. 
you know, I was a little worried we were shutting some things down, but it looks like I'm going to. I am going to see David Foster, though, December 19th, yeah, which you I'm are. excited about. Yeah. At Atlanta Symphony Hall, so that'll be fantastic. But yeah, it's kind of going to be chillier. I'm coming to Sacramento. We're having a planning meeting. Twice. I'm coming to Sac twice? Yeah, Christmas when? party. Oh, yeah, Christmas party, duh. Um, I'll, but you're not supposed to tell anyone because I'm coming to Santa. Now they're going to know it's me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do a Christmas tour. I've got a few asks in the box, but maybe I just don't. I don't I'm trying to take some uh, friends' advice and to plan accordingly. Y'all will understand this, not y'all necessarily our listeners that are freelancers. It's hard to say no. Yeah. We talked about this a ton on the road just with several of our freelancers. I think that if I, I would love to not do 80 things a year. I would love to Mm. just do a couple of larger broad strokes throughout the year. I think that the seasonal life for me would be way more impactful uh, for me personally, but I think I will be able to impact more by focusing in on a few things instead of the last 22 years of say yes to everything that's in front of me because and COVID scared uh, all of us because it's like, I mean, I'm in the season of restoring the storehouse, yeah, you know, which I know most everyone is to some degree. I was super grateful for the work I had during COVID, but I did have to dip in. And so I've got to restore the storehouse. And I think uh, I want the balance that I I want the peace that I experienced during COVID, being home more, but I want to get back out there. So I'm trying to find the balance. Long story to say, but I think everyone's in that boat. I think everyone's excited. The world's opening back up and has opened up. I think I'm just trying to find my groove, which is great. I am not worried in one bit. The, something I told uh, actually I told this to Chris the other day that that in my worry, God always comes through. But I sometimes don't experience it as joy and experience it as relief. And I Mm. want to experience it as joy. And I think that requires me not to worry as much. Mm. Because when in my worry, when God comes through, I'm just relieved. I'm like, thank you, God. Oh, that feels great. But I want to experience it as like, oh, my gosh, look what God has done. Because I am not so far in the worry hole. I'm going to worry. That's just nature. So I would like to experience... God's blessings as joy and not as relief in this season, if that makes sense. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, it's funny because Liz and I remind ourselves all the time, it's like, how many, if we look back over the years, it's like you can point to umpteen million times of God's faithfulness, and yet we find ourselves so easily not trusting in that and leaning toward worry instead. So to get to a point where it's like, oh, wait, he's actually with us in the waiting and we don't need to worry because he's been faithful over and over and over and over and over again. We just need to trust that he'll It's like I have short-term so. memory loss, you know? Yeah. I just forget that yeah. yesterday he'd come through and tomorrow he's going to come through. But here I am sitting in the worry. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, I passed Highland Tap today, Jeff. It makes me oh, think of you every on. time. See, he got you out of there. He did. He got me out of that miry pit. <laughs> Literal pit. <laughs> <laughs> it is a basement of a restaurant. Lee, man, we need so to take good. you there when you're in Atlanta. It's where Jeff worked 20, oh, years, yeah? 20 years ago. 
Um, almost 30 years ago. 30? Almost 30? Wow. Well, 90, 94, 95. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 25, a little 26 years. But it's Back a great... It was just starting out in the studio. Classic steak place. It's in the basement. And like, there's no sunlight. <laughs> it's a mess. No, it's, cool. it's, a, it's a cave. Prime rib, awesome. baby. That's, that's what I get there. So. Um, so, yeah. But I am excited. I'm excited for the future of MXU. I saw the sparkle. God, I'm using all these great terms today. Sparkle and, and yeah, cute. cute. I saw the sparkle in both your eyes. As the tour continued on what the ceiling, the ceiling being removed in a good way. I just don't know if you ever thought you would be on a tour. And I don't know if you ever thought what was coming next. So I, I love that because I saw the, I saw the, the hope of what is to come, but I saw it in the, in the um, eyes of people like enlightenment in a good way. You know, like when we would say, guys, we got more coming. They would be like, really? Like, and so I think that that is super exciting. In context, I'm gonna, you. I appreciate that. I'm going to, here's another vulnerable moment for you about keeping your ego in check. But on my drive today up to the office to do this, I just had this like weird, quick flash of like, should Jeff and I act more like leaders than we are? And I don't mean like, I mean like the get up front and give motivational talks like you see pastors do you know, and like lead the team and cast vision and put core values on the wall. And then it really quickly, I snapped out of that and then went, no, we should, I just be myself. It's so percent to just be yourself. I actually think y'all are both great, great leaders. Cause the thing that you both do really well is empower people around you and you don't hoard control. And I think that is a great attribute. And I feel like I get any, enough vision from you guys. Cause you're constantly talking about what's what's going on well that's good yeah because i think it's i'm any leader that tells you they're not insecure they're full of it because you you are we all are at some level and you think how did i get here i don't deserve this but that can easily turn into like toxic too yeah but i think when you even when you think about you know church staff feeling the pressure of being something you're not because that's what's required to build a good team. It's such crap. It's, no, you be the p- person God's called you to be. Now, that's not an excuse to act like less than you're supposed to either. Right. There's a balance. It's, you're called to grow and be the best version of yourself, but you shouldn't ever feel like you're being asked to do something that's not you because that's even more draining and that will burn you out. Like, I, I quickly had like pictured myself like being that kind of leader for our team. And I was like, that sounds exhausting. I don't want to do that. 100%. Yeah, I, you know think, what I, mean? I think you'd turn into Enneagram A for asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enneagram. But I would say that I could look back on both of your careers thus far and watch people that have come up under your leadership by you guys just being you. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I think you're doing what you need to be doing. You ain't perfect. The fact is, though, doing. for MXU, we all know that Spencer is really the one who's in charge. And so, totally. Yeah. So, as long as his leadership is intact, I think we're in good shape. He's but the yeah, wizard think, behind the curtain. He's a Tennessee fan, though. So, <laughs> but I think 
in people's search for whatever buzzword is in vogue right now, authenticity seems to be what everybody's striving for, but nobody knows really what it is. Yeah. They just they just know what it what it's not when they feel weird about it. It's like, you know, I as long as we can continue to be true to not only who we are, but be true to where we are. Yeah. And, you know, for for you and me both not to be ashamed of those vulnerable moments that we experienced in front of people on tour and to really be honest about like i i was trying to be honest in moments listening to other people's mixes when i was getting challenged or i was challenging them to go i really i may not hear what you're hearing but i want to know what you're talking about or yeah show me this workflow because i really do want to get better instead of oh that's a cool trick well i'm never going to use that it's like well You know, I think just baked into the format and the formula, if you can call it that, of what we've developed, it's there's this assumed humility, selflessness, open-handedness, whatever it is, that that has to ring true. Otherwise, none of it rings true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even with, with Andrew, when you and he and I first started talking, there was a, hey, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I want to get better. Can you help me? Right. And that's where it all started. And that's not fake. That wasn't manufactured. No. And so as long as that continues to be not fake, yeah. I think I think people are still gonna want to listen. Including this conversation. Like it's weird to think we're gonna publish this. Like that's kinda like, don't do that. But it just feels right. I don't know. You guys see my hand right over here? Yeah, it's glowing. Got, I mean it's I think glowing. The, I I think I'm in charge now. I think I have all the enlightenment <laughs> right here in this hand. Yeah. So for for those of you who don't know, because we don't do these on video, Jay's chair that he sits in for these podcast recordings is right beside a window that has the best filtered light. And at the right time of day, it's like every hour is golden hour for Jay Desai. It's just, you got a halo effect. Well, I ain't got that Corey it's Edwards amazing. skin, but it's pretty good. Well, I think Lee's going to let everybody know what that looks like. <laughs> I just took a picture. Just took a picture but, of the screen. I'll send it to you, Jay. <laughs> you can post it. I got the power. Um, well, I love you guys. Love you a whole lot. Yeah. You too, man. And uh, next episode, we should probably have somebody on who can talk about something other than the tour. Because I yeah. think some, some of our regular listeners might be um, ready for tour time to be done. So thank you all for bearing with us over the last few weeks. I hope that you got a glimpse into what we were doing and that you um, felt like you were tagging along with us because that's really what we were hoping for. For all of you who did come to the events, we're so grateful that you would continue to partner with us. Thank you for letting us host you and maybe give you some tips and some insight that you didn't have before um, as we all try to learn together and continue to get better. What you said. (laughs) What, What he said. Yeah, what he said. That's what he said. That's That's what what he he said. said. All right. Love (laughs) y'all. All right. See ya. See you guys.